So, good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining us this morning. And this the 11th of March, March, the fourth Sunday in Lent. Joining me on the programme this morning, delighted to welcome back uh, Michael Keating. Good morning to you, Michael. How are you? Good morning, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us, Michael. And I've also got Anne joining us this morning. Good morning, Anne. How are you? Morning, John. Morning, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us, Anne. And no, Shane is still going to join us, hopefully, this morning for the full programme. Good morning to you, Shane. How are you? Good morning, John. How are we doing? We're good. Thank you so much for joining us. And this, as I said, the fourth Sunday in, in um, Lent. It's the 11th of March. And, of course, this programme, again, is being uh, broadcast, as we've told people, our listeners before, on West Limit 102 local radio. Um, it goes out again tonight, as I repeat, at 11pm. And, of course, this and any other programme uh, is available as a, on a podcast from our um, our website, our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Again, of course, as, we, as usual, we always welcome those uh, those people who are joining us who are sick and housebound, those people who are lonely this morning. We hope that this hour will will we'll bring us some encouragement and also some joy. Uh, Michael has indeed invoked the Holy Spirit on our behalf this morning to join us in this program, a kind of a special program this morning, and that we look forward to next Saturday, which of course is the Feast of St. Patrick. But in the meantime, if you want to contact the station at all during the week, um, 069-66200 is a telephone number to pass a message on to for Sacred Space for ourselves. Or you can email me, and that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. As I said, at this part of the programme, uh, usually we we invite Shane to maybe to share some celestial guides for the week, um, some saints who are going to accompany us, it may bring us some good news and some encouragement. Thanks, Shane. You might share with us something this morning. Morning, John. Well, um, looking at the little order this week, it was a little difficult because there was actually nothing listed. Um, so I had to go brooding. But of course, first things first. Today, as John said, is the fourth Sunday of Lent, so it's Latare Sunday. So we're almost, we're almost, uh, let's say, four, six, we're two-thirds of the way through Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is the Sunday. Latare comes from the intro, or the, the entrance antiphon to the today's Mass. And it's in some churches the priest will wear rose vestments. They kind of give us the indication that the penitential season of Lent is almost over. Now, in terms of the liturgical calendar, Monday, I've kind of gone with an Irish theme this week as much as I can, uh, as we're building up, obviously, to the 17th. So, the first uh, saint that I found dug out this week is the um, Saint Mura. Mora MacFeridac, I think is how you pronounce the man's name, uh, otherwise known as Mora of Faham, and he was Abbot of Faham on Ohrmore, and appointed by St. Columba. And he was a friend of King Hugh of Ireland, spiritual teacher of a number of saints, and was a member of the O'Neill clan, and lived around 550 in, uh, or died, I should say, around 645 of natural causes. And his relics actually include one of his croziers, uh, which is held at the National Museum in Dublin. And his bell shrine is in the Wallace Collection, which is in London, in England. And he, there, uh, his monastery is, uh, has a beautiful uh, Celtic cross um, uh, associated with it up there in uh, County Donegal. 
So then on the 13th of March, uh, we found St. Gerald of Mayo. Now, this guy's an interesting one. Uh, he was actually English, uh, but ended up in Mayo. He was a monk at Lindisfarne, a friend of St. Coleman of Lindisfarne, a monk at Inish Botham uh, in 668. And then he was at Abbey, he was the abbot of Mayo of the Saxons Abbey in 670, which was a house for English monks in Ireland. And he served there until 697 when he resigned in favour of St. Adam Adamnum. Uh, he saw the supplanting of the Celtic rite with the Roman rite in his abbey. And he also founded an abbey in uh, Elteria in Connacht um, and a convent which was led by his sister. And he died on the 13th of March in 731 in Galway of natural causes. And he's buried in Mayo. He may have been a bishop of Mayo, but there's conflicting records in relation to it according to the, the histories. So then, uh, okay, just to take us away from the Irish for the moment, the 14th of uh, March is the feast day of Saint of Blessed Philip of Turin. Now, Turin, uh, Philip of Turin he was one of the first Franciscans. Uh, he tracked down Saint Francis and became one of the first of 12 Franciscans to join the order. Known for his deep understanding of scripture and he served as a first confessor to the first poor clares. And he was very much associated with traveling with St. Francis for preaching. And he died in 1246 in Perugia in Italy of natural causes. So that is a, a blessed Philip of Turin. Then uh, moving back on the 15th of March, moving back to the Irish calendar, we have St. Owen of, of Concolum. Uh, who's, and all we know about him, he was the son of Saren of Concolum, and who's a monk, and he was born in County Tipperary, and that's pretty much all we know about him, so that's St. Owen, and his feast day is on the 15th of March. And then finally, on the 16th of March, we have the feast day of St. Finian Lovar, who was also known as Finian the Leper. Uh, he was a disciple again of St. Columba, founded a church and monastery at Inishfallon, in, and he was a monk at Clonmore, he was abbot at Swords, and in his later years, he retired back to Clonmore to spend his last days as a prayerful monk. And he was called uh, the leper because he, he briefly contracted the disease when he miraculously cured a young boy of the disease. And he died around 560 at Clonmore uh, of natural causes again. So that's St. Finian, and that's on the 16th of uh, March. And obviously, of course, 17th of March is the solemnity. It is the feast day of St. Patrick, Bishop and Patron of Principal Patron of Ireland, uh, Apostle to the Irish, and we're going to talk about him later in the programme. Now, John, as it's also the beginning of the month, uh, just to remind people of the Pope's prayer intention for the month of March, which is that the Church may appreciate the urgency of formation in spiritual discernment, both on the personal and communitarian levels. So that's the Pope's intention. Formation in Spiritual Discernment for the month of March. So that's what we have uh, in terms of liturgical odds and ends for this week. Thank you very much indeed, Shane. Michael, I bet you, you didn't realise now that Shane could dig up all those signs from various parts of yeah, the country. He's a great man. <laughs> There's no doubt yes, about him. Um, just to continue on with that, um, just to, if you notice it, just to bring to, um, to listeners' attention, First of all, there's a desert day. A desert day will take place in Westbourne, Ashbourne Avenue, and Saturday the 24th of March, 10.30 to 5pm. The day will give an opportunity to enter more deeply into Holy Week. 
in the peaceful surroundings of Westbourne Convent. There will be time for quiet prayer, reflection and the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And we'll conclude with the Eucharist. It's suggesting that booking is essential as places are limited. And for contact, you can contact Sister Phyllis Moynihan and that's an 087-963-6893. That's 087-963-6893. And also, um, people know, that, as Shane mentioned that a few weeks ago, and I just want to remind people again, the readings of the Easter Vigil from uh, the Glenstall Abbey continue again this particular Sunday. Uh, this Sunday uh, today, Discovering God in the Desert is taking place um, in the in the Glenstall Abbey Library at 4.30pm, be followed by refreshments. And today the speaker is, people would know this lady pretty well, Jessie Rogers. So that's Disc- Discovering God in the Desert from Isaiah. Jessie Rogers will be given a reflection in the Glenstall Library, Abbey Library, um, 4.30pm, followed by refreshments. And of course, all are welcome to join the monastic community for Vespers at 6pm. Just to let people know, next week it continues with Father Columba McCann, and then the last week, the 25th of March, uh, Martin Brown from Glenstore will also share a reflection on Water Old and New Water New. As it's uh, St. Patrick's weekend, next weekend, uh, just to bring to people's attention, if there's a wish to tune into EWTN, the story of St. Patrick's trial before the Druids, that a trial at Tara, That'll be on for half an hour uh, on Thursday next, uh, 9 o'clock. On Friday at 9 o'clock, the lives of the saints, St. Patrick of Ireland, special fe- a special feature on St. Patrick, Ireland's beloved patron saint. And on Saturday, St. Patrick, Saints of Europe, uh, there'll be a special programme on Saturday, and this time it'll be on at uh, half past five in the afternoon. So that, that's about all the all the notices that I have for people's attention. Thanks again for sharing this, for sharing those science with us, Shane. Um, might give um, Michael a little bit of a test during the break if he can remember any one of those, especially with the correct pronunciation. But in the meantime, we might go for our first bit of music this morning because I know we usually have a spiritual communion prayer this time, but we thought this morning it might be ideal because we're going to be, be reflecting on St. Patrick in part two, that we might pray um, this prayer that's sung for us by Angelina, and this one is, in, is entitled The Deer's Cry. So let's say this. I arise today through the strength of heaven, light of sun, radiance of of wind, depth of the sea, stability of earth, firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's eye to look before me. God's wisdom to guide me, God's way to lie before me, 
Sacred Space. So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. I said, my name is John Kelly. Joined in studio this morning by Michael Keaton and Anne. And Shane joins us on the Skype line. And this morning, we're going to reflect on St. Patrick. Uh, St. Patrick's Week, uh, St. Patrick's Feast Day is on next Saturday, the 17th of March. And uh, Michael's joined us this morning. And... Michael, you, you want to take a little bit of a different tack this morning than the ones we've been reflecting on over the last few years. Where would you like to start, Michael? Well, I suppose, as Shane said, next Saturday is St. Patrick's Day. It's a solemnity and the Holy Day of Obligation. And it's so easy to forget. We still have Holy Days of Obligation. Yeah. Um, I should have done it years ago, some people would tell you. <laughs> no, St. Patrick's Day is still a Holy Day of Obligation and we're obliged to go to Mass and celebrate. You know, and what are we celebrating next Saturday? I hope we're honouring St. Patrick. He brought us Christianity. He was the first bishop of our man, primate of all Ireland. And he was the man that brought Christianity into Ireland and converted us from paganism. And that's really the reason, John, why we should be dancing and singing in the streets. Mm. Um, it's such a great gift to have the faith. And we thank Patrick for bringing us that faith. And we should really celebrate it. Of course we should celebrate it. But some of the celebrations nowadays seem to be gone in a different direction altogether. I was reading an article there lately, and it, said, it was referring to Ireland, and it said St. Patrick's Day used to be a religious festival, now it's a cultural festival. It's mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. good to celebrate our culture too, of course, but, of course, but it's still the basic thing, it's a religious festival. Um, no, who was St. Patrick? <laughs> 
Yeah. Historians, of course, disagree. There are different dates for his birth, but we'll say fifth century. Some have between what. Three eighty. Sorry, the fourth. From between three eighty-five, maybe three seventy to three eighty-five, somewhere in that That's time, right, he was yeah, born. Yeah. And he tells us he was born in England. And um, the first thing we know is from the latest confessor, which is a document he left us, hmm. which is his own writing, is the sheer humility of the man. A man so aware of his own weaknesses and frailties. He starts off the very first line: "I, Patrick, a sinner." most unleavened, the least of all the faithful, and utterly despised by many. Isn't that so tied up to the Gospel, John? We must admit that we're a sinner. Mm. And um, he tells us in that he was captured in England. And he gives the reason why. He said, I did not know the true God. I was taken in captivity to Ireland with many thousands of people, and deservedly so, because we turned away from God and did not keep his commandments and did not obey our priests, who used to remind us of our salvation. And um, a bit like the Old Testament there, John, the Israelites, when they turned away from God, how many times were they taken into captivity? You know, we've had it, they've been taken to Babylon, and we've, we have the Psalms about it and songs about it and everything. And um, very often when they rejected God, these things happened in those days. But Patrick, as we know from our school books, I suppose, was came to Ireland. Now, we were told he was minding pigs and slave mish. He says himself to sheep in his confessor. He means it makes no difference. Um, and I'm just, I was reading there, what brought him back to God? He says he did not know the true God. And um, certainly I read, the secret is prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, he says in his confessor, he says, But after I came to Ireland, every day I had to tend sheep, and many times a day I prayed. The love of God and his fear came to me more and more, and my faith was strengthened. So we see that his faith was strengthened by the prayer. And my spirit was moved so that in a single day I would say as many as a hundred prayers and almost as many at night. <clears throat> and this even when I was staying in the woods, the mountains, I was to get up for prayer before daylight, to snow, to frost, to rain, and I felt no harm, and there was no slaughter in me. As I now see, because the spirit within me was then fervent. So now we've moved on to the Holy Spirit, like the Spirit driving Jesus into the desert to be tested. The Spirit was praying in Patrick. Mm. And um, so to shorten the story, John, Patrick, of course, was um, got back to England mm. after six years. He got back to his family. He was delighted. He didn't want to leave his family, John. That was a big thing. He yeah. was so, his parents were so happy to see him. Mm. They didn't want to see him go. And... Um, Again, through prayer, Patrick felt the call of the Irish. And there I saw in the night the vision of a man whose name was Victoricus. That's his angel, I believe, John. That's what he got the angel. Coming as it were from Ireland with countless letters, and he gave me one of them. And I read the opening words of the letter, which were the voice of the Irish. And as I read the beginning of the letter, I thought that at the same moment I heard their voice. They were beside the wood of Vaclet, which is near the Western Sea. And thus they cried out as with one mouth, we asked you by, come and walk once more with us. And you know, Michael, you mentioned prayer early on. And I was just reading something else in preparation for this programme too. And one of the things that I, that, I, that I picked up there was around Patrick's prayer life. It was not a desire to convince God to give him something. Not a sense of, obliga- of obligation to fulfil nor an attempt to earn good standing with God, and not a plan to impress people, 
Patrick simply wanted to spend time communicating with God because he loved being in God's company. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that oh, lovely? I suppose, John, if you were up on the hillsides there in freezing cold nights, if you were up on the hillside there last week, you know, <laughs> yeah. there wasn't much distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. one thing I saw in the, the confession was that God said to him, you will do well to fast. And I was thinking to myself, what could Patrick give up? <laughs> so, True. Yeah. He couldn't give up the, the cigarettes <laughs> or the no. chocolate or the sweets. Um, but he was asked to fast. I mean, he was barely surviving as it was, I'd say, being a slave, you know what I mean? But he was still asked to fast, and he, he did fast. And, of course, we have today St. Parker's, uh, his purgatory in um Patrick as well, of course. Yeah, yeah the, I suppose oh. the thing is, the, as, as Michael said, the, the story of Patrick and where he's associated with is is not is not clear cut because obviously it, it is so it is so long ago. But generally, um, Schlievenish is the place associated with his time as as serving uh, in as as a slave in Ireland. But of course, there are many high places in the country, of course, that are associated with him. Of course, Croke Patrick being the most obvious up in County Mayo. But even in Limerick, there are one or two places that are associated with him. Although it's not clear if Patrick ever came this far south. Um, because, of course, one of the things with Patrick is that the tradition of evangelization uh, became very strongly associated with him uh, um, because of the work that he did. But it's not exactly clear, of course, that he did. He visited all 32 counties, if you like. But he, he's, he's, I suppose he's associated with the tradition and people that were his, his disciples, if you like, uh, which continued his work of the first evangelization of the faith in, in the country. But as Mike said, of course, it's, it's an interesting one always to remember that Patrick and the association with St. Patrick's Day uh, is something which I suppose we have to be very clear about because more and more it's been secularized and seen as very much a cultural expression, um, and which isn't, which isn't quite um, correct, I suppose, in some respects. Um, and it's also an ironic thing in many respects. In a in a in a in a push at the moment where there's a more clear call for a separation of church and state, you see uh, the state kind of hijacking what is in effect a religious festival. Um, you know, in many respects, um, if, because after all, it is Saint Patrick's Day. Um, you know, and it commemorates uh, the bringing of the Christian faith to this country by a particular man. And the, the irony, of course, of it is that, you know, um, we live in a time when more and more the Christian faith, uh, some in society seek to sideline side, side it in many ways, both from our schools, but in public discourse, um, and also just overall just kind of to degenerate and to castigate those that practice the faith. And I suppose in many respects, the, the, the day calls for us, particularly in the current climate where now after we've received the the ruling of the Supreme Court on recent cases, and of course the beginning of the the formal launch of the of the constitutional referendum campaigns, that more and more I suppose Irish people would turn and seek the intercession of St Patrick at this difficult time. You know, a man that, as 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 Mike said, you know, the the association is he heard the call of the Irish. He very much, even in his confessio and in the right other writings that we have of him, including his his letter. Uh, very much his love of the people of Ireland is what came across more and more. It's very evident from when you actually read what what is left. And it's, you know, in many respects, it's it's unique in that regard. You know, you have different saints associated with different countries. So, for example, if you take uh, ourselves, we have, we have St. Patrick. If you take St. David in Wales, you have St. Andrew in Scotland, and you have St. George in England. 
And of the four, of those four countries and their four patron saints, Patrick is the one that we are most certain of because we have something from his own hand. Um, the association, for example, of St. George is not very clear with England, um, very much associated with potentially returning crusaders, uh, bringing back the devotion to St. George after the crusades. Uh, St. David, yes, there is a bit more contingency and more dedication to that he existed. The, con the connection between um, St. Andrew and Scotland is, is not 100% clear. But what we have and what we are very lucky to have is that we have these writings of St. Patrick himself. And a couple of years ago, the Royal Irish Academy published online uh, a new and renewed translation of the Confessio in particular. And the Confessio comes down to us because it was contained in what was called the Book of Armagh which uh, tradition has as the writings, obviously, associated with our maths as the prime, as the sea, as the place where Patrick was based. And, of course, is one of the reasons why the Archbishop of Armagh today is uh, the president of the Irish Bishops' Conference and in tradition generally holds a red hat as a cardinal for the Catholic Church as well. But even in the Church of Ireland, the, the primate is, uh, is the Archbishop of Armagh as well. So maintaining that tradition, maintaining that link, to what is called the early early Celtic Church, and it's 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 as 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 Mike said, you know, while certain things are unclear, like we don't know exactly the day or place of his birth, we don't know whether or not he was Scots, whether he was Welsh, whether he was Cornish, whether he was from France, uh, whether he was English. Um, uh, we, it's it's not one hundred percent clear. The tradition is he came from a Roman family, probably possibly his grandfather was a priest or bishop, his father was a priest or bishop. Uh, which would have been which would have been common for the time uh, before the introduction of the discipline of clerical celibacy it would have followed in the family um you know so we're not we're not even sure where he's from or when he was born we're not 100 percent sure even when he died dates vary from 461 to 480 um but it's it is the idea and i suppose it is the tradition that surrounds the what is what is involved which is the preaching of the christian faith uh, to a pre-Christian culture in Ireland, um, an island which had not uh, fallen within the remit of the Roman Empire, and so for, for you know it was a, a, it was mission territory, true mission territory in many regards, and it was interesting, of course, the fact that the the faith was preached, and it was so, it what stands out is the fact that it was adapted and assimilated so quickly. That's that's I suppose is one of the things that makes it stand out. Like why. Why was Patrick's mission to the Irish so successful? And that is the question, you know, in terms of why the evangelization, because within a matter of 200 years, uh, 250 to 300 years, you had a scenario where you had Irish monks uh, from Irish monasteries in the Celtic tradition going back to the continent and preaching the faith to areas that had become, um, the term is barbarian, but if you like, pagan after the fall of the Roman Empire. You know, and that is where that whole tradition came out of, of Ireland being the Isle of Saints and Scholars, because in the darkness of the fall of the Roman Empire, the, you know, keeping alive that flicker of uh, education, humanities, literature, faith, um, fell on what were outpost monasteries, outposts on the edges of Europe. And it's something, I suppose, that we need to think about today, because, you know, we face a challenge in terms of Brexit. And, you know, in terms of, OK, we're once again a small island on the edge of Europe. And what can we contribute to that whole discussion of what it means to be European? What does it mean to be part of the family of Europe and to contribute to 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 that discussion? 
um, and looking at it through the lens and through the history of what it is that no matter what way you turn and twist, Irish culture and Irish tradition, which is native to this island, has come out of a Christian tradition. Because to degenerate and to ignore it is to basically just ignore reality. It is, it is our history, particularly over the last 1600 years, is from and has to be seen through a Christian lens. Because the impact of Christianity, the impact on its people, the development of our culture, the history of our writing, the development of our arts, uh, were used very much to explore and enhance and uh, interrogate the Christian faith that we had as a cultural, as a people. Um, so to, to ignore that is, you know, and to ignore the role of Patrick in that and to look at it only purely as a, as, as a, a secular holiday is very much to ignore the reality of what St. Patrick's Day is. Thanks, Steph, for that, Shane. And I know there was certainly a lot of uncertainties around, um, around dates and so on and so on. But there's one thing certain, Mike, that he had the voice of God to come and preach the good news. Isn't that the message? He keeps speaking of the Spirit with him. Even one stage he was out of his body and he could see the Spirit praying in him, like in Romans, you know, the Spirit would pray yeah, yeah. in words and God that we cannot understand. Yeah. But just like the, one little thing, I suppose this is what we are today when we call his mission statement. You know, we often hear mission statements yeah, today yeah. and all this. Mm. And he picks out two things from Matthew 28, 19 and Mark 16. Go therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all days, even to the end of the world. And he says, it goes on again to Mark's Gospel, and he says, He that believeth is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And the, and the strong words in that Gospel, but that was Patrick's real mission to baptize, because ordaining priests as well, confirming mean, ordaining priests was his huge thing, setting up the church in Ireland, all over Ireland. Mm. And there's a lovely little promise at the very end of the Confessio, and I, I love this, John. And... Um, I pray for those who believe and fear God, whosoever deigns to look at or receive this writing, which Patrick has seen unleavened has composed in Ireland, that no one should ever say it was my ignorance. If I did, I show forth anything, however small, according to God's good pleasure. But he says there, he'll pray for us. Anyone that looks at these, mm-hmm. he'll pray for us. You know, we still need to ask Patrick to intercede for Ireland, for every one of us and for all the problems we have in Ireland at the moment. And going back to prayer again, I mean, didn't he also mention, which we heard there in the, in the bit of music, the Deus Cry, St. Patrick's best place, you know, best place, oh, yes. where St. Patrick gave us advice or, or told us what he'd done. I have rise today. Through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me. If we can only take some of those prayers, Michael. God's eye to look after me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guide me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me from the snares of demons, from temptations of voices, from everyone who shall wish me ill, afar and near, alone and in multitude. Isn't that our prayer all the time? And as Shane outlined, we are, of course, these days uh, facing challenges within our own country. To um, to values that maybe St Patrick certainly wouldn't have mm-hmm. wouldn't right. have wished. And just one other little thing, I suppose. You know, we believe St Patrick was buried in Down Patrick, mm. and which 
Bridges and Cullum Kill. There's a poem I think that commemorates three saints in the one grave. And I've always said it's in my to-do list chance to go to Don Patrick, but I haven't been there yet. Which, uh, because we believe he died on the 17th of March. You know, mm. That's what we're celebrating next Saturday. So, if St. Patrick uh, was round today, Michael, what would he be saying to us? I suppose, John, the big thing is the gospel he, that he preached. Mm. I, Patrick, is in that we need to turn to Jesus, confess our sins, unload our worries, our burdens to him, and claim our inheritance, John, as children of God. Because that's what we are, heirs to the kingdom of heaven. And um, it's so sad when people reject it. It's not difficult if we just open our hearts to God, confess our sins. I always remember Father Jack McCaddle said one thing, there's two conditions he said, to go to heaven, he said. One is to be a sinner, he said, and the other one is to know it, he said. Ah, yeah. <laughs> the Patrick knew he was a sinner. I, Patrick, a sinner. You know. mm. And um, you know, religion is, should be joyful and happy, John. Not a burden in anyone, do you know? No. This impression that sometimes it's a burden, it's not. We should be dancing in the seas, like there will be next Saturday, but for different reasons. Yes, we yes. should be out there dancing and singing that we are saved, that Jesus has saved us. He's died at the cross for us. And for some reason, we you know, we sometimes don't take that on board because maybe we're listening to other voices and so on and so forth. Shane, what would yeah. you, what do you think St. Patrick would say to us today? It's that challenge, I suppose, to, to, to rediscover the, the simplicity, as John said, as Mike said, rather, of the faith, but also the joy of it. Because one thing, I suppose, that every, that many stories associated with Patrick and even his writings it comes across is the joy of the faith. And I think, I think for many of us, that's the problem at the moment, that there is a, there's, there's, there's a lack or there's a, a missing something there in terms of understanding or appreciating or valuing the joy that faith is supposed to bring. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's just, it, I think that would be one of the things he would focus on. And so with that, maybe we'll go for our second piece of music. And um, the piece of music that I decided um, I'd give a go today would be one, Hans certainly likes this one. It's entitled Be Thou My Vision, and it's by David Arkinson. And maybe this might be something to reflect on after the, after the lad's um, reflection there. Be Thou My Vision.
Sacred space. So, welcome back again to the second part uh, of uh, Come and See Inspirations, coming to you from our Come and See studio here in Ada. And in this part of the program, as usual, we read and reflect on the Word of God. Um, we see it's, it's so important each Sunday, regardless of what we have on in part two and part three, very important for us to reflect on the Word of God. So for today, and the fourth Sunday in Lent, we are taking the Gospel from John, which is chapter 3 and verse 14 to 21. And Michael's going to read that for us this morning. Thanks, Michael. Oh, no, sorry, just before Michael reads the Gospel, we might ask Anne to pray the prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thank you, Anne. Lord, we thank you for pushing us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively and humbly may we not despise this word but receive all it has to say to us we know that our hearts are closed often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this order in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Anne. So, again, uh, the Gospel for today, the fourth Sunday in Lent, is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. And Michael, you might read for us this morning. Thank you. Jesus said to Nicodemus, The Son of Man must be lifted up, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so that everyone who believes 
may have eternal life in him. Yes, God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not be lost, but may have eternal life. For God sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. No one who believes in him will be condemned. But whoever refuses to believe is condemned already, because he has refused to believe in the name of God's only Son. On these grounds is sentence pronounced, that though the light has come into the world, men have shown they prefer darkness to the light, because their deeds were evil. And indeed, everybody who does wrong hates the light and avoids it, for fear his actions should be exposed. But the man who lives by the truth comes out into the light, so that it may be plainly seen that what he does is done in God. Thank you for that, Michael. So that's the Gospel for today, the first Sunday in Lent, taken from John. Um, it's a Gospel that we've that we've heard quite often, Shane, uh, as you often say yourself, and we can let it sometimes go over our head, or we know all about that. That's very dangerous to do, isn't that right? There's always something Indeed. in there. It is, but of course, the thing about it is, John's Gospel is a very, it can be an awkward enough Gospel to reflect on. Um, so what we're presented with this week, of course, is very much uh, an encounter, um, uh, you know, between Jesus and Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is, is an interesting character. We know that he was a high-ranking leader among Jews, uh, but he came to visit Jesus in secret and at night. And it's, you know, we have this rather long discussion between Jesus and Nicodemus, which John uses to present a number of things. And of course, you know, uh, Jesus, Nicodemus was told that to enter the kingdom of heaven, a man must believe in Christ and be baptized. This expression, you know, being born anew of the spirit of baptism. And he also t- reflects on this whole thing about being lifted up. Now, this, of course, comes from the story in Exodus where there was the attack. Um, the, the Israelites had been unfaithful again. There was a plague of snakes, and then they sought Moses' intercession, and he lifted up the bronze serpent. But I suppose the thing we have to remember today is that we have to remember how that's understood by John. And, of course, John is looking to Jesus being lifted up on the cross. And, of course, the thing about it is, for John and in John's Gospel, the crucifixion is actually the exaltation of Christ as you know as the messiah and that jesus is being lifted up to bring people to himself and for salvation and you know it's 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 something i suppose that that um we have to kind of reflect on you know he was lifted up on the cross and lifted up into glory by his resurrection and his ascension and it's kind of that whole expression you know no cross no glory um because there's both suffering and joy signified i suppose by these two kind of images and they're very much essentially interconnected and entwined, if you like. Um, and I think that's what, that's something that we need to reflect on as we're heading towards Calvary and heading towards uh, Easter season. Because, of course, the focus very much in Matthew and Mark and Luke is pretty much on the suffering Christ, whereas John's is much more the exultant and the much more uh, triumphant Christ kind of, you know, leading us to salvation. And it's something that we have to kind of look at very closely and carefully because it also is that whole thing that 
you know, the eternal life that Jesus gives us is not um, a duration of life, but I suppose it's it's a highest life possible, which is life with God. And we have to kind of to be aware of that, I suppose. And he says, you know, and that leads us to that great expression, um, you know, that God so loved the world that he's gave his only son for us human persons. And that his whole thing for us is love, that focus on love, that response to love, that call to love, that call to respond to love. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, uh, that whole thing is very much interlinked, that whole thing about being lifted up, and then the reminder that God sent his son to save us. Um, and I suppose that's, I think for me, that was the two things I suppose to reflect on on this Sunday's gospel. John's gospel can be difficult. There's, there's, there's no two ways to, 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 to talk about it otherwise. In terms of when you're doing, particularly when you're doing next year divine on it, John's gospel is one that you need to sit and you need to read it and read it again and read it again. And it, it's amazing actually the types of things that will come to you when you are doing it and how you reflect on it. But it's also particularly with John's gospel, the one of the challenges is when you're doing next year is just reading the bit that's in the Sunday leaflet because often it's much it's a generally a part of a longer discourse or discussion. Um, and it's, it's very hard to break up John's gospel without knowing what comes before and after it as well. So if people are doing Lexio on it this week, I would say just have a look at a couple of pericopes or the, 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 the couple of sections before or the sections after as well. Mike, what were you thinking of this week's gospel? I suppose the one line there I love, of course, the very famous line, John 3.16, mm-hmm. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not be lost but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, so that through him the world might be saved. When we were going to school, <clears throat> we had we got this impression, rightly or wrongly, that God was there with his book marking every little thing against mm-hmm. us. You know, mm-hmm. And we kind of saw him as a judge more than a saviour. And if we, we could stick with that line, for, think about it and think about it. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't want to judge us. He doesn't want to be our judge. He wants to be our saviour. Yeah. He wants us to accept him as our saviour. And... Um, you know, it's so beautiful. We think we're so deep. So it's just hey, open your heart to Jesus. No matter what we have done, they can be overcome. He can forgive us our faults if we accept him as our saviour and think about him on the cross. Of course, the other thing in John's Gospel that I love is the light and the darkness. Mm. You know, just anyone that's doing evil doesn't want the light. And that goes through to people robbing houses or whatever. They mm. want the cover yeah. of darkness, you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of evil is done in the dark at night. But yeah. John brings that right through his gospel, that theme of light and darkness. And it's again, it's here in this one, that um, though the light has come into the world, men have shown that they prefer darkness to light. And we should love the light. We should go out in the light, the light of Christ, bathe ourselves in that light and just seek God's salvation and just take that gift he's giving us. Isn't that um, what St. Patrick was all about? Yeah. Passing on that message that God loved the world so much and that's what drove him and even though he had people having a go at him and telling him he was talking a lot of rubbish and so on and so forth but he believed that so much and then as we said early on he was in such a communication with God all the time that that was helping him to drive. Mm -hmm. St. Patrick said because there is no other God now ever was, now ever will be, then God the Father and be God. <laughs> it'll never change. So, I mean, he was sure. He was certain. He was. And, and he so, was. therefore, today, when we are faced, as we said early on, with all the challenges that we have um, to our values, to our faith, and so on and so forth, we have to do what Patrick done. Yeah. 
we have to go back to our God. Oh, God, yeah. And uh, I suppose, uh, just what I say to people, maybe somebody's just struggling with the faith now, finding it very hard to believe. I can't believe all this stuff. You know, it doesn't make sense to me now. That mm. I say, accept Jesus as your saviour. Mm. Let Jesus come in. He will bring you through. He, whatever doubts, whatever temptations you have, Jesus will come in through the power of his spirit in you. He will help you and bring you to God, to God the Father. But we're asking Jesus to come in. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not asking about rules and regulations and so no. on and so forth. You come in completely open. And we admit we can't do it ourselves. No. We're weak, we're sinners, as Patrick says. I, Patrick, a sinner. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say that he deservedly was captured because he didn't listen to his teachers and his Mm-mm. his priests. He didn't listen to them, he says. You know. but, um, but God is always there. Even though we might abandon him, God is always there with us. And so if I was to ask you to leave a parting thought to people today, 2018, when St. Patrick's Day is upon us next Saturday, what would you like people to think about, reflect on, try to stay with? Reflect on the message of Patrick brought us, the message of Christianity, and the message of St. Tonight's, today's Gospel, this Jesus is our saviour. He came to save the world, not to condemn the world, not to knock us, not to be looking at our faults the whole time. He came to save us. If we accept him as our saviour, he'll get us through everything else. And he'll and we'll to be a joy to keep the commandments. We'll want to keep the commandments. You are. It won't be a burden to keep them. No. Become kind of natural. Shane, any last thought yourself to, to share with us before we go for the final bit of music? No, I think I think John um, Mike kind of highlighted it for me. The key sentence is that one uh, in this Sunday's Gospel: Christ, the God, uh, Jesus, did not come into the world but to condemn the world, but to save it. And that is that is, I think, for me, is the line that you could you could reflect all week on it. You know, in many respects. And and for me, I think that's the one that people might take this this Sunday as their as their reflection for the week. And I suppose I, I think the only thought that I would want to, to leave, and the two lads have both said it, you know, especially Michael, they mentioned in his last few comments there, that, that to take Jesus on board, to, to, to allow Jesus to take control, allow the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives, hand it over. Because as far as I'm concerned in my own life, Mike, and I'm sure the same as yourself, all the other stuff um, doesn't really have something to hold in the long term. Mm-hmm. But when I'm down and out and under pressure and doubting and all the rest of it, the Holy Spirit knows all of that, just like St. Patrick told us. I think that the E have a wonderful set of guidelines, John, you know, in their mm. book. And the big thing is we're handing off to the higher power. Like, you know, admit that they're powerless themselves, they can do it. We're the same as Christians, you know. Mm. We're powerlessness, we let the Holy Spirit in, let that, that higher power take over. Perfect. What a lovely way to finish up the programme. Michael, thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. Pleasure, Jen. Um, we'll have you back again, please God, in the near future. And thank you so much again for, for joining us. You're welcome, John. And Shane, thanks a lot. Uh, no problem, John. My faithful friend, and for digging up all those saints from somewhere in the past with all those names that I couldn't pronunciate anyway, but thanks a lot. And they're there, no doubt, with Patrick now, praying for us in Ireland as we go through these days. But in the meantime, now we might go for a bit of music, a fun bit of music, and this one again, it's taken from David Arston, and this one maybe, it's maybe it's something that, that St. Patrick would sing, I'm sure he would. It's entitled, I Am Thine, O Lord. So to next week, from Shane, from uh, Michael, from Anne, myself, God bless. Bye-bye now.
Sacred Space 